welcome to the Weirding Hour, where we like to talk about weird things we found out, and hopefully you like to listen to them. My name's Ria. I am Bothwell. I'm Nina. And we are here to tell you some crazy things, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, and each week we do a different topic and we do a different craft. So this week we are focusing on the bottom of the sea. Um, and we are working with clay. Uh, we are not experts in working with clay, so uh, it's going to be a good time. Is I'm finding my clay hard to work with. found at the bottom of the sea. Oh. Oh, relevant. Oh. Yeah. I like that, how it was tied in. Nice. nice. Uh, what are you going to make with your clay, guys? I want to know. I'm not going to tell you. Know. I was just going to, you know, fuck around with it until something happened. I mean, it's got to be sea-themed. That's, that's what we're going for. Really, is a true artist. <laughs> what are we, Nina? <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, let the creative spirit run through me. Um, you know, not everyone can do it. It's uh, it's a gift. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. apparently so. I have um, I have been trying to craft, like, sneakily, basically, work on a bit of a, a boat model. Uh, while we've been setting up, ready to record the podcast, and yeah, you've already it just That's keeps cheating. turning into a vagina That's every cheap. single time. I <laughs> mean, I feel like you're squishing it together. Like a boat isn't normally that close. Where I was going for like a little narrow one. I mean, that's really narrow. All right, okay. Wider. <laughs> I think we're just going to end up with a wider set vagina, if I'm honest with you. But let's see. And honestly, they're all valid. Every single vagina is valid. I agree with you. We're all different shapes and sizes, ladies, and every single shape and size is great. Whoop, whoop. This podcast is potentially slightly biased. <laughs> so, um, um, I'm actually going to start this week. What's your topic? My topic is Dwarka. Wow. Is that a word you made up? It's not a word I made up, and I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Dwarka is actually a submerged city. Um, that was discovered um, off the coast of Betdwarka, which is an island on, I think it is the Guru, let me just check my pronunciation, um, on, on the Gujarat coast. Okay, so the, there's the Gujarat coast and Betdwarka is just off of there. Okay, and, and give context mm -hmm. for someone who has no idea what the hell that is. Yes. So those locations are in India. Right. Cool. Excellent. So basically, Dwarka was considered to be a myth for the longest time. Uh, if you think of, say, Atlantis, um, it that had is what I'm thinking of. mythical sort of status. And, uh, and for a long time, people couldn't find it. Uh, and they did excavations around uh, the 1960s and then again in the 1980s. And they did actually uh, find a submerged city. That's so, so cool. A little bit about, um, I'm going to read from my notes, guys. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. That's all I ever do. <laughs> just, just to ask before you get started, Ria. So when they were trying to find it before and they couldn't and they thought it was a myth, was that essentially they weren't trying hard enough to find the city? So, yeah. Actually, probably, <laughs> yeah, like, like for reals. Um, so basically, um, the city of Dwarka features in the Mahab 
Mahabharat, um, which is a sort of a mythical writing in India. So it's like a Sanskrit like collection of mythologies about the various deities and gods. Um, and Dwarka in particular is associated with Krishna. And yeah, so I I went on the internet and I did like this huge search trying to find different stuff about Dwarka. And I'll be super honest, a lot of it came down to the recent excavations. And, and actually that's not very exciting and it's not very easy to talk about a list of things that they found under the sea. <laughs> or give us a sample. <laughs> well, okay, yes. Oh, no. Let, let's do the list. <laughs> Thanks, I mean, I was, I was just going to save it for the end, but actually oh. Nina's probably right because you probably don't want the boring shit at the beginning. Um, okay, so they found a semi-spherical single hole stone, which might be the base for a flag post. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, they found L-shaped edges of stones for proper grip and arresting wave action on bastions. They're not thrilling finds, are they? Uh, hold on. Just hold on. Uh, there's seals and inscriptions. Not like seals as in... Arf? Yeah, arf, arf, arf. Um, but seals <laughs> as in... Um, Scientific you know, Things that we use, perhaps words, to seal a thing. Anyway, seals, inscriptions, which have been dated to 1500 BC. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Hold on pottery which has been dated to 3528 bc wow that's Probably old that's longer than a it's right. longer than the previous one for sure <laughs> um stone scriptures terracotta beads bronze copper and iron objects it's just Impressive. some stuff at the bottom of the sea yeah yeah it's it's basically it's great stuff um but it's so, lasted so long. Like, it is amazing how long it's lasted. Do you know what I think of our, our era is going to last in the same way? <laughs> like, in thousands of years. Do you know what I'm convinced they're just going to find everywhere? Nokia 3310s. I think Do you remember? Was, they were like, yeah. Endure, like, so they, gonna they last. could not be broken. Yeah. No, and, and try as you might, you can't. But also, try as you might, you can't really text on them. I mean, yeah. But you can play Snake, and that's all you need. Uh, is it? No, the texting did take like half an hour, Nina, because you had to be yeah. like one, two, three, four, one, two, three. I had to go through all the letters. There was no, no. predictive text. Nightmarish. Um, I'm so I lazy now. <laughs> no, <laughs> to I type know. my own letters. I oh, I hated it. I hated it. I did not like receiving texts. But nowadays, I much prefer receiving texts over phone calls. So yeah, call me. Yeah, don't ever call me, guys. Only ever message me. Because it's pressure. Also, realize we're on a call right now. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to the origin of Dwarka. So I talked a little bit about it being uh, a city associated with Krishna. And Krishna was a god, um, I think one of the sort of m most powerful gods. Um, and he... Is that like he, Harry? Um, Harry Krishna? Uh, I don't I'm, know. <laughs> Yeah, is it is it that really? Because I oh, my knowledge is very I'm very ignorant. I shouldn't my be. My knowledge is also very scant, so I really have to limit it to just this story. And <laughs> I can't say whether it's anything well, that you may ask questions. Nina's <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up. 
I'm going to let you tell your story. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. No question. So our story possibly begins in 3100 B, uh, B, oh, BCE or BE, B, BC, BC. What am I doing? Is it before Christ <laughs> or before Engelbert? <laughs> it's before Christ. It's before cool. Christ. Right. Okay. So Krishna, um, our all-powerful God who everyone loved, he kills and defeats his evil uncle, Kansa. Now, I don't know what his evil uncle Kansa was doing. I think he was trying to take land and kill people and do that various sort of thing. But this is this is my limitations. This is the where, where the story starts. Krishna kills his uncle. His uncle Kansa is a bad guy. So it's okay. fine that he's dead. So after doing this, Krishna uh, takes all of his people and migrates from Mithura to Dwarka. Now, before he migrated to Dwarka, Dwarka didn't actually exist. So he summons Vishnakwama, who is the architect of the gods, to build a city, to build the city of Dwarka. And what Vishnakwama does is he basically reclaims the land from the sea. So everywhere that he was going to build Dwarka has been risen from the depths. So it was deep in the sea and now he's drawn out the land and he's going to build this incredible like wonderful city and reading the descriptions of it you're like yeah no it does sound like Atlantis so it's stunningly beautiful like gods and deities live there there's wildlife that lives in the parks and pleasure gardens um and everything uh, just hold up the pleasure gardens yes the pleasure gardens what, what exactly pleasure. is a pleasure garden um i Think you probably I know didn't what a pleasure too hard, but I imagine it just meant garden that was nice rather oh, than that's somewhere. not what Nina thought. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, Oh, you know, you know. <laughs> Nina's yeah, the good. sex garden. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's the sex gardens, but you cool. know what? My feeling is if this city is so beautiful and so wonderful that I imagine that that sex gardens might mitigate the wonder of this city. Sticky. And it, yeah. Bit what sticky. if it's a classy, classy sex garden? I well, if it's a classy sex garden, well then yeah, that's fine. Let's let's all like go ahead. Like with topiary that's just a bit suggestive rather than <laughs> like boobs. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. But people are still fucking in it, right? Picture, <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> And having pink drinks yeah. <laughs> Nina style. Obviously. <laughs> anyway. Um, and there's um there's lotus blossoms in the lake, and it's all just like everything's really wonderful. And 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 it goes on to describe the traffic being like really like well managed and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> what fucking traffic was there in 3000 BC? Well, I would assume that when the okay. Bloody horse, move out the way. <laughs> yeah, a horse, but also they're gods. So they they will have like modes of transport that are possibly magical. But so many that, you know, there's there's a traffic jam? With no, that's the point. There's no traffic jams because the traffic is so well managed. We've managed to avoid a chariot pilot by uh, only having three of them in existence <laughs> at this time. <laughs> that, I mean, it works. Yeah, so honestly, best place ever, Dwarka. 
you know you want to live there oh Sex gardens and, and no traffic i mean that's my jam but also um the outsides are decorated with crystal and silver and then the interiors are decorated with gold and jewels so it's all it's all just like it's it's fucking shiny guys <laughs> you know like it's a shiny place Shiny. Um, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie so far you've said incredibly shiny and uh sex garden i'm just i'm kind of getting like an essex nightclub <laughs> 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 yeah yeah it's like the only way is essex but all of them are deities that i would I'd watch, watch that show yeah <laughs> i feel like there's yeah you could really get behind some of the characters on that I think we all could. Like, I, I love that show. That's, it's what I long for. Though, to be honest, it does, I suspect it'll end up a little bit like Xena, but in Essex. That's, that's not what I'd imagined it. I was going like, deity sat, you know, I, to be fair, I don't really watch enough reality TV to do this comparison, but I always imagine reality TV is them like talking into the camera, just being like, I'm so fed up. And can you imagine them just being like, Shiva is just pissing me off, hands everywhere, not pulling his weight in the sex garden, you know, just all of that. I think I've probably offended so many different collectives of people in that one sentence. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and let you carry on, Rhea. I mean, okay, cool. So any rate, then another bad guy comes along called King Salwa, and uh, and he attacks the city because he's trying to attack Krishna. Um, and basically King Salwa is traveling around in his Vamana and his Vamana is basically a, uh, flying palace. Sick. Handy. Yeah. No, great. Yeah. So uh, you've got your Vamana, it's a flying palace and he starts like throwing projectiles from the vin- Vimana as he's like over the city. This is amazing. Yeah. Also, can I just say, can you imagine if you had a flying palace, you would never have to pack for a holiday ever again? No, it'd be great. Can you imagine? Just like pick up your house. Bye. Especially if it's also, got missiles in it. Is he throwing down? Do you know what I mean? Like, he is he just wandering around his little like flying palace and just like picking up like stuff he doesn't need anymore? Like, oh, you <laughs> know, I don't, I don't like this book. Anyway, he did it so much that it decimated the city. Wow. So a lot of books. Yeah, exactly. Just like, ah, oh, have it. Dickens. No one reads them anyway. Um, and then also, yeah. So it says that uh, he fought with lightning. So like, so maybe it wasn't just books. Maybe he also had lightning. I don't. I don't know. He's a powerful god. <laughs> and a library. um so yeah he starts to decimate the city and krishna starts to fire back on him with like magical arrows um and and then the the story gets a little little foggy i think that krishna decides he doesn't want to be in dwarka anymore um and then he decides that he's going to go away and leave like earth because he's He's just done with fights on Earth, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's an iffy part of the story, guys. So Krishna just leaves is the point. Krishna leaves. But as Krishna leaves, 
the sea suddenly rises up and covers Dwarka like it had never been there. With the people in it. I think that's the Arabian Sea. And yeah, and the people in it. Because um, Krishna had come with people. I guess he didn't take them with him when he decided to leave Earth. So, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, And that's it. So some of the videos that I watched about Dwarka like to have like this like uh, intense conspiracy theory so uh, the person who um, made a video about it um, talked about the Vamana of King Salwa as being a spaceship and that they were using advanced technology so I think this guy was trying to imply that the Mahabharata is actually about uh, space beings like UFOs yeah, oh, I think he kind of got the idea from Stargate, to be totally honest, because I don't think the Vimana is a spaceship. I mean, I've seen like, you know, pictures and paintings that people have done from stories in the Mahabharata. And uh, and I don't I don't think it's advanced technology. It's it's normally just like an actual like palace, but it's just uh, in, in the sky. But I guess, uh, that, excuse me, <laughs> couldn't you get any more advanced technology than that? Well, are you leading they, expert on spaceships right now? They're doing magic, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> That's a palace, not a ship. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Magic is real. Spaceships aren't. Okay, okay sorry. Apologise. But no, I really like that whole thing where people are like, hey, maybe aliens made the pyramids. Maybe aliens did this. Maybe advanced technology means this, you know? And you're just like, so, I mean, I think that's about it from me, really. Um, I think I was going to say something else. That story had everything. I loved that. It had flying palaces, sex gardens, uh, deities that are just like, bye. Yeah, they found this place at the bottom of the sea. It's real. They found things in there. Yeah, Yeah. they found that flagpole, that round flagpole. Exactly. Um, Atlantis is real. So Dwarka rather than Atlantis, it's like the Indian Atlantis. Or Atlantis is the whatever Dwarka. Yeah. Where is Atlantis? Yeah. In the Atlantic? Where is Atlantis? I don't know. So ignorant. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. So that was it. I just, I wanted to talk a little bit about a submerged city. And and so I did. I'm sad that. Submerged city because I love the sea. Yeah. You would live in the sea, wouldn't you? We have talked about. Actually, were you prepared to live in the sea when we said, we, would you be a mermaid? Oh. Uh, That's when we were in Cornwall. <laughs> we had a conversation like, you love the sea so much, would you be a mermaid? And I think you were like, no. Not if it's just me in the sea. <laughs> Probably not the UK sea. It's pretty miserable. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, I'd get lonely. Also, if you, were a, if you were a mermaid, would you be top half human, bottom half fish, or would you be the other way around? No one wants to be a fish and genitals and legs. What is that? <laughs> what is that? All the important bits. <laughs> yeah, like, all the matter. No, you want to be. You want to be the other way around. Do you know what I never understood? Right, like the outfits in the Disney's Little Mermaid. Like that's not comfortable. Shells oh, are shells. not comfortable and or supportive. No. But you work with what you got and. 
they live under the sea. So. Yeah, but like King Trident has like armor and stuff in it on him sometimes, so they can wield armor, but they can't put together something for the ladies, like a little metal crop top. I don't know. Because ladies are only valuable if they're very attractive and showing all of their private parts. Oh, so they really yeah. want those those no, fish with legs and genitals. <laughs> They're punishing her for not being a fish head and legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Right. OK, uh, I'm going to crack on with my story because I'm aware of time. So I decided this week to do a sunken ship. Um, and there are so many sunken ships to choose from. Uh, Nina, before you look at me scared, I checked with Nat and she said this oh, was I fine. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do it. OK, good. Well, I have seen a sunken ship. Oh, have, have you? you? So has Rhea. Have I? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. I saw it. I like, sunk it. <laughs> Not true. No, we went to a museum in um, Sweden. Sweden. Um, Sweden. And saw a ship that had been sunk and pulled back up out of the water. And it was fucking awesome. It was an amazing oh, it was museum. Crazy. It was well, incredible. I, when I was much younger, went to see, I think, um, the Mary Celeste, which is in, oh, was that in Portsmouth? think so yeah that which was yeah as you say completely amazing I think I've also been there when I was young so I don't remember it but I was like yeah this is yeah yeah it was very cool um the Mary Celeste is another one I couldn't I felt like I couldn't technically cover it because it's not really the bottom of the sea because that's the one that was found floating with nobody in it um but it is really interesting so maybe another time For another time yeah yeah Anyway, so it's estimated currently that there that there are around three million sunken ships on the ocean floor worldwide, and that's dating back like thousands of years. There's lots of different legends relating to some of these ships, and with these, it's kind of not known where the truth begins and the rumor ends or the myth ends. Some of them are very vague. So the story that I'm telling today, we're not a hundred percent sure if this is the case, like if this ship even existed. But there are accounts, so listen up. So what I've decided to focus on today is the Lady Lovey Bond, which I think is the most amazing name. <laughs> it's a pantomime dame, isn't it? Yeah, Hello, it's Lady Lovey Bond. Lady Lovey Bond. Well, I wondered if it was like a lesbian marriage. Lady Lovey Bond. Oh, it does sound like that. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. Are you in a Lady Lovey Bond? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well done. Um, Okay, so anyway, this was a three-masted schooner that was alleged to have been wrecked off the Kent coast, which is southeast England, in 1748. Since that time, the ships have been uh, the ships been reported to have been seen in the same location at 50-year intervals. The <gasps> ship sighted. So it's, it's a like ghost ship. Deepest creepers, the ship, <laughs> but a ship. <laughs> Slightly less scary. Actually, Jeepers Creepers was a bit pants. Anyway, yeah. that's another topic. So the rumoured events were this. On the evening of the 13th of February, ooh, unlucky for some. Um, I don't know why I just said that. Uh, I, unlucky for them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> stay weird. tuned. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. um, so this is the evening before Valentine's Day. The boat's captain, who is either called Simon Reed or Simon Peel. Both of these exist in different accounts. So let's just presume somebody's handwriting is terrible was wow, recently married <laughs> just slating them off 300 years later like who do i think i am um so yeah so they, he was recently married to a young lady called anetta and they were celebrating this event with a cruise out to sea which was actually quite progressive of him because at that time people were still like don't have women at sea they're a bad omen 
which I still don't really understand why. Oh, it's because uh, we're associated with the sea and the moon and time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so gentle listeners, uh, she's harking back to a conversation we had before um, this podcast even started where we were saying like, how did we get that? You just said sea vaginas basically and we (laughs) rolled from that. Anyhow, so yeah, women shouldn't be at sea because we're just taking up space on the boat, leaving bras everywhere. I don't know. Um, Anyway, according to some, the ship was traveling to uh, a Porto in Portugal. And apparently Simon's first mate, John Rivers, was also madly in love with Annetta and was not happy that she'd married Simon. So while the captain, his wife and their guests were celebrating the marriage below deck. And that is... (laughs) <laughs> on the lady lovely bond uh that was actually a quote celebrating the marriage below deck which to me i read that as like oh i see yeah like, <laughs> but they probably mean feast uh you know dinner uh, normal ways to celebrate um anyway so while they're doing that john rivers is angrily pacing the deck in a jealous rage <gasps> oh, yeah. bro, you need to sort your shit out you really I mean, this I is mean, a gone i think he's gonna kill someone He's basically just a 350-year-old incel, isn't it? That's what's happening here. Why didn't she marry me? I'm such a nice guy. I'm the best. I'm just going to kill everybody because I'm sad about it. Um, Okay. Anyway, so he's unable to contain his rage any longer. So he decides that his best course of action is to pick up a heavy club, which is called a belaying pin, um, which basically helps to hold up the rigging on the side of the ship. And he bludgeons the crew member who is steering the ship to death. What? But he didn't even do anything. He's not he didn't even marry her. Do you know what? He doesn't even get a name either. He's like a red suit out of Star Trek. This oh is just poor God. guy steering a boat. I know, so bad. I know. I know. Well, you didn't do it, so. I did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, Taylor, John I'm John Rivers. <laughs> no, he's John Rivers. Oh, John sorry. Rivers. I'm John Rivers. Yeah. I'm, I'm listening super hard. I can tell. I can tell you're riveted. <laughs> just remember, it sounds a bit like Joan Rivers. Oh. <laughs> But are you John River Tid? Oh, I see. I see what you did there. Oh, no. oh God. <laughs> Just stop. Stop. Yeah, we must. It's important that we do. Okay, so we've left John Rivers raging about on the top deck and he's bludgeoned to death the poor unnamed crew member who was steering the ship. Rivers then decides to steer the ship towards the treacherous Goodwin Sands. And these are a 10-mile sandbank off the coast in Kent. There's at least 2,000 ships that they think have been wrecked on the sandbanks. Um, And the issue is is that they're situated very close to the major shipping lanes through the Straits of Dover. So ideally, obviously, you don't want to go into them, but we've apparently decided that we're going to park the uh, channel of travel straight through there. So like straight next to them. So anyway, the boat sank, killing everyone aboard. And later in court, this was deemed to be death by misadventure, which really annoyed me because... Definitely not a misadventure. He's killed them all. Well, quite. So death... um, So when when I say misadventure, it means that death is primarily attributed to an accident which occurred due to a risk that was voluntarily taken. Mm. So I am presuming that is to mean, you know, taking a boat out. We decided that we would go on a ship with a fucking psychopath. Yes, we will take our incel bud who doesn't get laid and just stares at our girlfriend (laughs) and we will put him in charge of the upstairs driving of the ship. Um, So, yes, that's that. I've just realised with this story, though, if everyone on the ship is killed, how do they know? 
How do they know that he's pacing around? You know what I mean? There's oh, detail there. loud enough to hear on land. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> They're just like three feet out. Someone on the beach is like, guys, you should, yeah. Anyway. You're in, John. <laughs> Get over it, John. There's plenty of fish in the sea. No. <laughs> sorry. But also a little bit not sorry. Okay. Anyway, so in short, John's a dickhead. Um, anyway, we're going off topic. So the first ghostly sighting of the ship was on the 13th of February, 19... No, not 1978. Okay. Definitely going to be like 1778, isn't it? Or yeah. 1878. It's, yeah, 50 years later, whatever. Um, and the uh, Lady Lovely Bond was reportedly seen by two ships at this time. So there was the Eden Bridge, which was captained by James Westlake. And he recorded in his log that he had almost collided with a schooner with three masts. He then, um, which he witnessed then crash, and he then heard sounds of celebration coming from it as it wrecked. However, what? yeah, however, when um, ships then, you know, kind of rode out to try to get people to safety, they found no survivors and no ship. Okay, but seriously, yeah. you said he heard sounds of celebration when it wrecked. Yeah. Like, they were all like, Yay! <laughs> Crash! Woohoo! <laughs> You've done it again, John. Well done. Um, I presume it's meant to be like sounds of the party, and then okay. as the wreckage is it, happening, it makes it sound like woo! Yeah. <laughs> Smash that motherfucker! Yeah, no. Um, so anyway, so they sent the rescue ship, and no survivors or a ship were to be seen. And it was also seen by a fishing smack, which is apparently the name for a traditional fishing boat. Which I really enjoyed. Check out my fish and smack. Yeah. Um, oh. oh, I definitely meant to write 1798. That's what I meant to write. Um, so 1798. So then 50 years later, it's in 1848, it's seen by some local seamen um, who yeah. were so concerned at seeing the wreckage that they again called lifeboats to be sent out um, as they were convinced a wreck had just occurred. But when they went to retrieve survivors, none could be found and there was no sign of a boat. What the fuck, man? Oh, it's exciting. Um, there wasn't an account for 1898. However, in 1948... They were having Captain, a break that year. Yeah, they were like, the ghost ship was tired. <laughs> they were like, guys, fucking, let's go to Malibu this time. Um, oh, my dog's just come in. Hey, birdie. Hi, birdie. He's not loving life today because uh, it's bonfire night and there's lots of fireworks going off. Yeah. So he's scurred. Anyway, so... Um, in 1948, Captain Bull Prestwick allegedly sighted the ship, recorded, recording that she looked real, but gave off an eerie white light. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Is that phosphorescence? I mean, it, it could be, or it could be <laughs> Captain Bull Prestwick had a couple of whiskeys and then drove his boat home. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was um, nighttime and it was just moonlight. Could be, yeah, the eerie moonlight. Yeah. So... In 1998, ghost hunters gathered in order to look for a three-masted ship like the Lady Lovey Bond. Disappointingly, nothing was sighted. However, as we've had a previous gap, you know, in the sightings before, it's possible that it's following some sort of pattern of reappearance. Um, it's not quite, yeah, it's not quite every 50 years. But we have 28 years until the next sighting is due. Oh. So I'll see you guys there, Kent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
drinks. Anyway, so I'm just going to end by saying that most accounts of the Lady Lovey Bond um, basically are, are kind of unable to confirm whether or not this is an actual ship because there's no... So the earliest known version um, of the events was published in the Daily Chronicle in 1924. Other than that, it seems to have been kind of hearsay. And if it wasn't any papers before, then it would have been such small local papers that they've kind of not made it through to this time. So it seems like an oral version of the story has kind of been widely circulated, but actually proof and records that are able to, you know, say whether the ship was real, whether the events or the people were real is yet to appear. So the Lady Lovely Bond might be at the bottom of the sea or might be absolutely nowhere and not exist. Who or might be just floating around coming back every 50 years yeah yeah all that um that's that's basically the story of a jerk from 300 years ago who can't get over a lady (laughs) guys you don't need to when a lady isn't interested i'm just i'm just going to solve some problems now when a lady isn't interested in you you just go away go away keep looking Uh, find one who is yeah and you'll know when she's interested because she won't be like please go away yeah probably tell you yeah exactly anyway that's my story nice great i really liked that i liked the ghost ship i liked that whole thing i like the whole sort of like bermuda triangle sort of aspect of like things resurfacing and coming back and then people are like what is it what does it mean and we never find out because it's normally just bullshit (laughs) yeah that's how myths work isn't it it's rubbish I honestly, I wanted like the Bermuda Triangle to be like a real phenomenon so hard. Is it not? Isn't it? I thought it was. I mean, it's... Can we do it? Yeah, don't yeah, ruin a topic. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think, I think the, there's lots of very scientific explanations and it is just, I think a few ships went down and they are just literally, <sighs> literally at the bottom of the sea there. Like, Science. Okay. We Science. should do. Ruining it fun. should go in the hat. And um, me and Boswell should start and we should do stories about wreckages. And then at the end, your topic can just be debunking all of the stuff we've done. <laughs> yeah. This is why your two stories are bullshit. <laughs> this is why you're fucking liars. Yeah. No, but I love it. I love like just ghosty stuff. It's just so cool. And yeah, terrifying. Pretty cool. Right, Nina, come on. You've got sunken cities and ghost ships to beat. Please tell us your tale of mystery and woe. It is. Whoa. It's no mystery. It's just whoa. Oh, that's sad. So I'm basically just going to retell you a documentary that I watched on Netflix because it was so good. And I was left. It was one of those ones that you finish watching and then you have to go and find someone and be like, I'm rocking back and forth now. I need to see other humans because that just kind of broke something in me. No. I love those. So... I thought it was fucking great. Yeah, I want to watch this immediately. Yeah. Um, okay, so the documentary is called Last Breath, and it is on Netflix. It's from... Um, so it's a deep-sea diving accident from two th- that happened in 2012. Wow. Oh. Rhea's going to love it. I'm so ready for this tale of woe. So, yeah, don't worry too much. It's just It was just so interesting. Um, so it might not translate well to telling as a story, because it just might not. I think um, it will. Let's go. We'll find out. So it happened to a man called Chris Levins. Um, He was born in Edinburgh. um, And at the time of the accident, he was 33 years old, engaged and building a house in Scotland with his fiancée. So like, you know, everything's going well for him. 
Um, he had been a diver for eight years and saturation diving for a year and a half. So what is saturation diving? Um, I was about to ask. Well, you should have. <laughs> what is saturation diving, though, Nina? It is a specialised type of diving, which reduces the risk of decompression sickness. So it's for when you're doing really deep dives. Um, divers must spend a month living, sleeping and eating in specially constructed six metre long tube shaped chambers on board a dive ship to acclimatise to the pressures that they were experienced once underwater. That's so basically, it's like, you know, when you go, when you dive, you have to come up slowly to acclimatise. Yeah. It's like that, but... But so much more. But really long. Yeah, I've got a yeah. friend who's got the bends and he can't eat ice cream. Whatever again. Yeah, like dairy. Apparently that's a result of getting the bends. Uh, he, oh. ate, he got it once and now I didn't realise it was um, like it had long-term effects. I thought it was like dangerous at the time and then you got over it. Or you no, didn't. like it, it will have ongoing effects. Like maybe he'd be all right with dairy now. It was like a good few years ago, but it does, it does have ongoing effects. I don't know all the ins and outs. I didn't know, and I think that's really interesting. Mm. Uh, so um, we were talking about saturation diving. So in the um, in the chambers, so it's described as an unusual form of isolation because the three divers who are in it can talk to and see their crewmates outside the chamber, but they're completely cut off from them. Otherwise, um, they're entirely reliant upon another one another, and it takes six days of decompression before you can leave the chamber or help can get inside. So if you break your leg, your appendix burst your mother dies, you still have to face four to five days decompression. Oh, that just sounds so claustrophobic. Like, yeah. If yeah. you're first, you're definitely dead. Well, I think like, cause they can talk. So you rely on your crewmates to perform whatever emergency surgery you might need. Oh my God. So basically only go deep sea diving with a really qualified surgeon who has all of his tools available. Yeah. And there's also no privacy because um, there's CCTV cameras on 24-7, even in the loo and the shower. Uh, it's similar to me. It's similar to being in space. Or yeah. the Big Brother house. Yeah. No. Yeah, apple, I guess you've got to pick where you're going to have a wank, like wisely. I don't think you get to have a wank in the saturation tank, uh, place. I, I, just bet. Don't. I bet they go ahead and do it. Yeah. Wanker's nice. going to wank. <laughs> Wank is going to wank. We'll have that in our merch on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoever, respect to whoever will wear that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, so on the day of the accident, so it was on the 18th of September in 2012. Um, so Chris was working in the North Sea off the east coast of Scotland as part of a saturation dive team on board the ship, the Bibby Topaz. Nice name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were fixing pipe piping on an oil well, so down, 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 bottom of the sea. His team was made up of himself and Dave Uassa and Duncan Alcock. So Chris and Dave were doing the repairs, while Duncan was supervising from a diving bell. Chris was less experienced than the other two men, but he'd already done nine deep water dives, so he was still quite experienced. Um, so to begin... They climbed into the diving bell, which is then lowered from the ship to the seabed, which is 330 feet below the surface. Do you know, this is genuinely like 
I feel so claustrophobic even just hearing about it. The film is so good. I loved it. I what it was traumatizing, and I loved it. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure I'm going to watch that. Well, you won't need to once I've told you this because no, I'm absolutely the whole thing. no. So yeah. So yeah. Spoiler warning for anyone who wants to watch it: go fucking watch it because I'm just describing it. <laughs> I love it though. Carry on. I'm. I'm. I want to know. So once they were 100 meters below the surface of the ocean, they climbed out of the diving bell and started repairing the piping, um, with Duncan supervising them from the bell. So on the surface, the water, oh no, down below the water and weather appeared calm. Um, but on the surface, a 35 knot wind and a five meter swell were hitting the ship. Um, and that's not unusual for that time of year and that part of the ocean. But what was unusual is uh, the normally reliable dynamic positioning device so that it's like GPS and uh, connected to the steering and stuff. Which so it keeps the ship locked in place, mm-hmm. um, regardless of weather conditions. But that had shut down, and all of the backups had failed, oh, and geez. the emergency status was on red. The ship was rapidly drifting off course. So they're down at the bottom, yeah. and the ship is just like bye. Yeah, the ship is. Yeah. So yeah, they're all bad. This is bad news. Mm-hmm. Well, just you wait. I've, yeah, I've got, already got like proper collie wobbles in my stomach or whatever you call them. Like I am genuinely like, what? Right, carry on. Sorry. So back on the seafloor, uh, alarm sounded on their communication systems and Chris and Dave were instructed to get back to the bell. Um, so when you're diving, you have an umbilical cord, it's called, which is attached to the bell. And it, they are thick twists of cable that deliver helium and oxygen mix that they use to breathe hot water to keep them warm because they're on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean and the sea temperature is about three degrees and light and communication with the support team. So it's your umbilical because it's everything. Yeah. So as they began following their umbilical cords, the ship had already drifted back over the tall metal structure they had been working on, meaning they had to climb over it. And when they neared the top, Chris's umbilical became snagged on a piece of metal sticking out of the structure but before he could free it, the drifting ship pulled it tight, dragging him into the metal beams. So he's just been, like, yanked by his the thing that's keeping him alive. Oh, my God. So Duncan, back in the bell, was trying desperately to drag his cord back in. Um, but it had tightened so much that it was bending the metal frame that was the, like, winch system. It was pulling it out of the bell. Oh, God. And there was nothing he could do. So Dave, the other diver, realised something was wrong and turned to go back to Chris to help him out. And they had a strange moment where they could see into each other's eyes that Dave was dragged, flailing back to the bell. So Dave... (gasps) No! Dave said, I could hear his umbilical cracking. And there was a bang as Chris was sent tumbling back into complete and utter darkness. His umbilical had snapped. (gasps) Oh my god, sorry. I'm just, I'm just can you I'm actually just, enjoying just imagine your faces. it? I just can yeah. you imagine just like being at it's the bottom like, of the sea? Dr- no, no, I straight up can't and I straight up won't. And honestly, what are these fuckers doing going this deep underwater? And all these like fuckers who go into space and also the massive dickheads who just go off into the wilds because they're all like, Oh yeah, I want to commune with nature and I want to discover new things. Like, no, stay That's how you get eaten by a bear. Breathe and you know how to live. 
have you thought about being a motivational life coach? <laughs> it would be more like motivational keeping a life coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Motivational survival of everyday life. But honestly, honestly, like these dickheads who climb Everest and they're all like, oh, it'll be such a wonderful natural thing to do and, and to push the boundaries of human uh, achievement. And it's like, no. No, people have already gone. They've done it once. You don't have to do it again. It's fucking cold. It's not the first. Night. Like, stop doing and, it. And there's people still on there. Sorry for a tangent, yeah. but there's bodies there's, still on there. There's bodies. There's like the valley of rainbows with all the dead bodies with all their like fucking like snow. Yeah, that yeah draped over them. Right, Nina, Chris, tell me. So he's dragged to the bottom of the sea. Do they ever find him again? So we'll keep going. Okay. Um, so. He was lost in the middle of the seabed in an all-encompassing pitch black. Like, you can see nothing. It is three degrees. Um, so he did have an emergency oxygen supply that would last six to seven minutes. Oh my um, God. But he was completely disorientated because he'd just fallen off this structure that he was on. And he now has no lights. Um, so no visibility. He somehow managed to find the structure and climb to the top. <gasps> what? Somehow just took a chance, walked in a direction, reached it and climbed to the top of it. But once he reached the top of it, the diving bell had gone. No! It had drifted off course so much that, that it was just gone. So he was completely alone and he curled up into a ball 100 metres below the sea. The cold seeped in, then there was nothing. Oh my God, that is, oh, that's a nightmare of a way to die. It's like it's you could not be more alone. No, it's like being drifting off into space. So wait, they know that he did that. Yeah. So back on the boat, the crew is desperately trying to manually navigate back to where they were instead of because the dynamic positioning system is still not working. Um, and as they drifted further away, they launched a remote-controlled submarine in hopes of finding him. And when it did, they helplessly watched live images of Chris's fading moments. Oh Which my god. It's what I'm going to show you now. No. Oh. oh. So he's just floating around. So that's him on the structure. Oh. I'll stop that sh image sharing because I'll finish the story. That is so, so sad. Half an hour later, the ship is finally back in position. His colleagues, still in the diving bell, were sent on body recovery. Once Dave got back to the spot where he was, he was completely still. Um, but through sheer will, Dave managed to drag the body back to the diving bell and pass him up to Duncan, who removed his helmet, and he was blue. Instinctively, um, Duncan gave him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, just because what else can you do? And he gasped back into consciousness. <gasps> he survived! That to me. Did he Rhea, survive? Rhea started crying because she thought I showed her a picture of a dead body. I'm not going to show you a picture of a dead body. I've been friends with you long enough to not show you a picture of a dead body. <laughs> he survived. Oh my God. He, so he, he, he woke up um, and he survived oh. his time without oxygen, unscathed, and found only a couple of bruises on his legs after his ordeal. Fuck me. Oh, my God. Please tell me he doesn't dive anymore. Oh, well, he, he does. Oh, so he Man. said I felt very groggy and there were some flashing lights but I don't have many lucid memories of waking up says Chris 
I recall Dave sitting crumbled on the other side of the bell, looking exhausted and not really knowing why. It's only a few days later that I realised the gravity of the situation. Oh, my God. <laughs> if that I... had happened to me, I'd have had like a nightmare every, wouldn't you? You'd wake up in a nightmare of just being, yeah. oh, my God. That's why we don't go. That's why, that's why we don't do that. Because it's, it's so dangerous. It's so, like, I just, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't cope with people going where they can't fucking breathe. Sorry, Ria. I'm sorry. Yeah, you have, you have really quite disturbed Ria. I did. I have broken Ria. (laughs) She's laughing now, so it's fine. (laughs) Do you know what though, Nina? Great story. It is a very good story. So I've just got a little bit, um, just some, you know. Follow up. He's dead now. (laughs) (laughs) He went diving the next week and it all ended in tragedy. (laughs) Bye. Um, so I just thought after that deep, serious woe that you might want some, like, just ease out of it. So I've got how he survived. Um, so it, how he survived that long without breathing is a mystery. It was like about 40 minutes or, well, ha- around half an hour, 40, 40 minutes. minutes. The whole thing happened. The whole thing that happened was 40 minutes. He had about six to seven minutes in his spare tank and it took about half an hour to rescue him. Um, so He's one a wizard. One theory is selective brain cooling, which suggests that when you're immersed in cold water for a long period, your body carries out processes that allowed cool blood to enter the brain. And he himself believes that the ba- because the bailout cylinder he had been breathing from had a much higher proportion of oxygen, his tissue was saturated with more oxygen than normal. Okay. So it's probably a combination of those things. But like people then- have that, haven't they, where they've been pulled out of really cold water and and been resuscitated, resuscitated yeah a very long time. slows down yeah the body probably not as long as 40 minutes but like you know like seven minutes without breathing in like icy cold water and yeah um and so for his life after the accident he returned to diving about three weeks after his accident and at the very spot where it happened to finish the job they started oh my god chris yeah. Dickhead. <laughs> I was going to go with that's so brave, but yeah. actually maybe Rhea has a point. <laughs> Crazy brave. <laughs> brave. Um, and he married Morag and they've now got a daughter together. His accident also triggered a number of changes in the diving community. So they now use emergency tanks that carry 40 minutes of air rather than five. And the umbilical cords are now covered with um, emergency, not emergency lights, just lights covered with light so they can see more easily underwater nice and he says so the change in his own life has not been so dramatic i've still got to change the nappy you see jokes but he does find himself thinking about death differently he said i don't see it as something to be feared anymore it is more about what you leave behind now he's raising a child he doesn't fear his own death anymore do you know what i I kind of get it finish listening to that quote then it's about what he leaves behind so (laughs) Well, yeah, he's going to leave behind a traumatised child. Going to leave behind a traumatised Rhea? You fucking fooled, man. I get very very upset at these stories. I'm not going to show you a dead body. (laughs) (laughs) But they're scary photos, and I'll put them on the Instagram because he is just passed out at the bottom of the sea all alone in complete darkness. Yeah. But honestly, go watch that film. It's so good. Yeah, I am going to 100% watch that film. It's great. I think I'm. Cool. I think I'm happy knowing that he survives, and yeah. I can watch it from that angle. 
but it's still it's still ter- it just terrified me I had to go find other people in the house after I watched it and I was just like somebody hold me like, I don't want to be at the bottom of the sea yeah I don't it was like I don't want to be alone yeah 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 I get that well that was amazing genuinely amazing story I was very excited about that one you've broken Rhea yeah so, well, extra mean, points I feel for you this week it's it's honestly it's not that hard to break me yeah <laughs> I I thoroughly enjoyed not when you were crying I was like oh my god what have I done just carry like, on I went too far. You just carry on because then you'll be fine <gasps> no no well it, oh I You're just a gentle soul like I can't I can't watch films like fucking 127 Days and like Into the Wild and all that kind of stuff because I'm just like, you dumb motherfuckers. Oh, How dare it. you? How dare you do that? Like, it's quite, it's quite the range you have. Like, it's crying with empathy and then like, <laughs> why are you so fucking stupid? <laughs> I'm angry that you've made me feel this way. Um, right, guys, we should wrap, wrap it, up. it up. Let's let's see everybody's... Um, creations i mean i haven't i haven't done anything more than what i did do i should probably put it on something oh nina oh what did she do she nina did a hat like a, a diver's helmet i can't see it nina talk why can't you see, oh you can't see it unless i'm talking yeah, yeah, yeah can you see it now oh that's so cool i made a tiny sailboat with oars <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i thought the mast had collapsed it had. It had. That's how it ended up with oars. And its its sail became a small weird flower thing that I've put on the end of the boat. Oh, very nice. <laughs> resourceful. Yeah, it's it's not my best work. It's probably not my worst work, so yeah. let's see. Anyway, so this week has been Under the Sea. So as usual, guys, please remember to subscribe, follow us. Um, tweet at us if you've started doing crafts along with us please let us know we'd love to see if you want to do the crafts at the same time as well that's amazing with the same theme embarrass us show us up with your amazing works and yeah that would be great and email them to the weirding hour at gmail.com and you could can they tag us on instagram as well that's a thing i feel yeah like. yeah yeah hashtag weirding hour um and we'll check out people's crafts and new episodes are released on Thursdays and sources for today's episode can be found in the little derby description, description. Bit, yeah. which we haven't figured out yet because we haven't started uploading any of these things. No, not yet. I've got to stop singing words. It's getting really irritating. Um, what was I going to say? What are we doing next week? Topic, topic, topic. To the sock hat. Pick something from the sock hat. We should really just yeah. get a hat. Oh, should sock hat have a... a- uh, a theme. Okay, done. Um it next is weather. Weather. Weather, weather. weather phenomenon. Nice. Weather okay. the weather. Strange weather related phenomenon. Okay, I'm excited. Um, we have a We were doing wire. wire. Oh wire, yes. I don't have any wire. I've got a little bit of wire. I've got a coat hanger I'm going to ruin. Awesome. That'll work. Yeah. yeah. Dick around with a coat hanger. Coat hangers are pretty precious currency in this house. I was going to say, Ria. <laughs> that sounded a little more like 
options have run out. Yeah. Um, or it would be the state of the fucking world if uh, men continue to make terrible choices, and actually, yeah. and women as well. Apparently, voting things like abortion out of uh, public health services is a good idea. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Fucking people. Yeah. Anyhow, enough of that. Right. Hopefully, guys, next time we speak to you. Happy ending. Yeah, next oh, time I speak yeah, to you, sorry, Trump won't be president. With, um, hey guys, don't be stupid and don't go into caves without people knowing where you're going. Don't go on deep sea dives because it's dumb. Don't, don't live your life, guys. Stay, stay at home. Because it's stupid. Yeah, stay in your house because it's stupid. We've just entered our second You can go to pleasure yeah. gardens if you want. They're but safe. Until... Only with one other person. Yeah. In lockdown situation. Yeah. Just one in the pleasure garden. Two meters from them. Yeah. Yeah. Like for something would have to be really long on somebody for that to work. (laughs) Well, or, you know, just. (laughs) Just a visual. Yeah. Mutual observing. (laughs) Nothing sexier. We should end. Cool. (laughs) Thanks, guys. We've been the weirding hour. Thanks for listening, weirdos. Bye. 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 (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.